Let's all please turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5. And it's a short verse. A short verse, just like my wonderful sister who just stood up. <laughs> I just... <laughs> <laughs> Her and I, talking about Sister Raquel and I, we continuously have a wonderful joke. I call her tall one, and she calls me small one. But I won't go there any further at the moment. <laughs> you please stand honoring his word. It's a very uh, short verse, but it says this. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. God bless and honor the ring of his word. You may be seated. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. I love that verse. I used to say that all the time, sometimes not realizing what it meant in the sense that Sometimes people are always wondering things and they don't trust in the Lord. People do it all the time nowadays. They don't trust in God, they trust themselves and we're not to do that, we're not. 20 years ago yesterday was that horrible moment, that very horrible moment. Horrible moment, and everybody remembers where they were, what was going on when that happened. Very horrible moment when we saw those towers be hit. And we all remember how our hearts sunk and how we've not forgotten and we never will. When everybody was asking why, why did this happen? Why did God let it happen? Many people asked and they asked me, I remember that night, I worked at Sam's Club at the time. And I had a lot of people coming to me asking me why why would God let this happen? And people asked my father that. He was a pastor here at the time. Why did this happen? Many asked, why did it happen? The same questions get asked all the time, every day, every minute of the day, not just about what happened 20 years ago, but what happens every single day to people that we love, to people that we don't even know. When COVID hit, they asked, why? Why does God let this happen when people do things that they shouldn't do. They say, why did this happen? Why did God let this happen? Sometimes when people do things to themselves, people ask God, why did you do this? Why did you let this happen? Sometimes they shouldn't be asking God. They should ask themselves, why did you do this to yourselves? But people ask the question, why? 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 There are many disasters around the world and the question why gets when teaching children, which I did for a very long time, and when people teach children, there's a constant question that gets asked, and the question is why. When you have children in your life, the children, the little children, are always asking why. You remember when you were a parent or a grandparent or a, a teacher or an uncle or an aunt or whatever the possibility might be when there's a kid in your life, the question that gets asked a lot is why? Why do we fall? Why is there such a thing called gravity? Why do we get tall? Why do we get fat? Why does our hair fall out? I still want to know that one. Why this and why that? Why, 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 why? And the parents get used to it, but after a while, after a while, some of the parents come up with an answer because I said so. 
<laughs> that becomes the, the faulty answer because they get tired of the question. Why? Why? Because I said so. Leave it alone. And then there is Father God who gets asked the question why from his children and the people that don't even know him. But not everybody knows him. He knows about them, but they don't all know him. You know what I'm saying? And they ask him why 24-7. Why, God, why? And the fact is because he says so. And so the title of today's sermon is Why? <laughs> and, the, and so we're going to go through the top 10 questions of why. And I say top 10, there's a lot of different questions, but we're going to go through about the top 10. Before we do that, let's look at this in Proverbs 1-7. You can write this down if you like. Proverbs 1-7 says, The fear of the Lord, by the way, in this case we're not talking about being afraid of him, but the respect of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Remember that. Proverbs 1 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this is important that when we talk today, we're mostly talking about Christians here because the world doesn't know him. They don't want to have any wisdom of the Lord. So a lot of times when these questions get asked, it's people who don't really want to have the answers because the answers that are being given to them, they don't want to accept because in order to have the answers, they need to know the one who's given the answers. In order to know the one who's given the answers, they have to accept that the answer in reality is usually Jesus. And in that case, they need to know that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only way into heaven. And they don't want to know that, most of them. And so therefore, they come up with their own answers and nine times out of 10, let's just say 10 times out of 10, if they're getting away from God, the answer is wrong because they come up with it. So first question that we're going to go through is, why is God's perfect world so imperfect? Well, this is this is not, first of all, they usually ask this facetiously because they're trying to disrespect the Lord God. If God's perfect world is so perfect, why is it imperfect? And the, the answer is because of Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. Because it's not God's perfect world anymore. He made it perfect, but it's not perfect anymore. So the answer is because of sin, because of mankind. In Genesis chapter 3, it's evil is in the world. We'll get back to this here in a little bit. Evil's in the world, so it's not his perfect world anymore. That's why. Question number two, why do I exist? Why do I exist? Why did God make me? Why do I exist? Okay, this seems like a very, very deep question, and it is. I get asked this a lot. Why do I exist? Why did God make us? Why do I exist? The reason of life. It's a deep existential question. A lot of people ask this, and the answer is really quite easy. It's very easy. And you say, <laughs> you're saying the reason for life is easy? Yeah, it really is. It's to obey and follow God and his word. You say, well, Philip, that's your opinion. No, it's not my opinion. It's not my opinion. Not my opinion at all. I'll give you a scripture for it. Write this down. Because you're going to want to have this. When people ask you the answer towards life, it's so simple. Colossians 1.16 says it all. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, were created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. So I'm going to say that one more time. The meaning of life. All things are created by him and for him. It's all for God, not for us. All things are created by him and for him. 
That's Colossians 1.16. That's the answer. Why did God create, create us? Why do I exist? For God. For God's sake. For God's sake is why we were created. It's that simple. It's that simple. I know that seems really simple, doesn't it? But you know why it's not simple for a lot of people? Because they don't want to hear it. They don't want it to be that answer. They don't want that at all. Number three, why do bad things happen to good people? You probably have heard that 15,000 times. Usually it's the lost asking it. And number four, they go together. Why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? You've heard these things a lot of times. Well, it's the same answer because we're in an imperfect fallen world. That's why. That's why it happens. That's why the, the bad things happen to good people. It's why good things happen to bad people because we're in a fallen world. I got a couple of scriptures for you. Okay, this is what it says in Romans 5, 3 through 4. Not only so, but we also boast in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces patience, patience produces character, and character produces hope. In other words, when bad things happen, make lemons into lemonade. Let God use it to help produce their character, produce our spiritual growth. God can help us with that. We'll go back to that in a minute. But as far as the good things happen to bad people, this goes with the good and the bad. Listen to this. Matthew 5.45, Jesus says that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. Listen to what he says here. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words... The good and the bad have good and bad things happen to them. It's going to happen. And why? Because we're in a fallen world. It's going to happen. Question number five. And I know it's going quick, but don't worry. We're going to come back to all these things. Oh, we are. Oh, good, Pastor. I was hoping you were going to say that. Well, I'm glad you was, because we will. Number five. Why does God love some more than others? You've heard that, I'm sure. You've heard that people say that. Well, this person's had all the blessings in the world, and it couldn't be because they worked for it. It couldn't be they have a lot of money because they worked hard, or their parents did, and they, you know, got that. It couldn't be that. Well, this person has a lot of health, maybe, and I'm not going to go into all that, but I will say this. God, well, let, let's answer this. Some believe God loves some and hates some. But let's let's go to a scripture real quick. Romans 2, 11. For there is no partiality with God. There's no partiality with God. There's no favoritism with God. It's as simple as that. The answer to the question is God doesn't love anyone more than anyone else. He loves us all equally. What does he love us all? Equally. He loves us equally. He died for all. But I will tell you this, when it comes to the, the, the sinners, those who, by the way, we all are sinners, we know that. Some are forgiven, some are not. Why? Because we ask for it. He does hate one thing, though. He hates sin. He can't abide sin, and the lost are still covered in sin. But he died. He died for all of us equally. When he came in the form of his son, he died for us all equally. He didn't get on the cross and say, I'm going to die for Philip, but not for this person. I'm going to die for Susan, but not for Jeremy. No, 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 no. He said, I'm going to die for all, for all people. And we can see that in Rome, excuse me, in John 3, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. It says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God does not love me more than he loves you. And believe it or not, he does not love you more than he loves me. He loves us all equally. He may not love what we do because there might be some mistakes that we make and he says, oh, don't do that. But he still loves us all equally. The question is, is do we love him equally? By our actions, we are known. Number six question. Why does God still punish us if we are forgiven? Uh, why does God still punish us if we are forgiven? Why does he punish us if we are forgiven? This is a big question because a lot of Christians want to know if I'm forgiven, why am I still punished? Why do I still go through punishment? Well, well, there's an answer to this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and uh, it goes like this. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. God is faithful and he will not permit you to be tempted above what you can endure. But will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, you, Christian, forgiven sinner, when you are tempted to sin, and if you give in to the sin, and as we've said before, it's, we're not talking about that you're going to go to hell. We know they you're not going to go to hell. We already know that you're saved. But the reason why we do get punished here on earth, because for every action, there's an equal to opposite reaction. You do get punished for what you do wrong. You pay for what you do here, not for et in eternity, but here. You will pay for what you've done. You reap what you sow. You will pay for it here. And why? We'll get to the answer here in a little bit. Why does God do all these things? You'll see. But listen listen what it says in Proverbs 3, 11 through 13. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be weary of his correction. Listen to this now. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father the son, in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding. It says in Hebrews 12, 11, now no discipline seems to be joyful at the time, but grievous. Yet afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness in those who have been trained by it. Now I'm gonna tell you something. I was corrected many times growing up. I had correction coming to me my father corrected me, my mother too, but my father corrected me over and over again. My father had a correction ability with his hand. He had a correction ability with his eyes. He had a correction ability with his tone. He had a correction ability with his belt. He had a correction ability with the way his hair would flip-flop in the air. He had a correction ability just by the way he looked at me, sometimes just by the way he turned around. He had a correction ability. It was a blessing from the Lord God, though, and at the time, it scared me to death. But he had a correction ability. My father was good at it. I don't know. He was given a blessing from God. But when I was a child, I didn't think it was from God who he, he got it from, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know where it came from. But I know one thing. 
I praise the Lord God that he gave it to me. I praise the Lord God. My mom did too, but she had what she called a correction uh, staff or board or whatever you want to call it. It was a literal board and broke a few of it on us, you know, and, and I'm not saying she was beating us, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand me. But I'll tell you this, she did have that correction board and it worked. And, and here's why I'm thankful for those things. Oh, I know, folks. I know we live in a time and a day. If you look at a child the wrong way, suddenly you're, you're beating them. Suddenly you're abusive. So, no, you're not. You love them. You love them enough to correct them. And God loves you. That's why he corrects you. Because he loves you. A little spoiled brat is not loved because a spoiled brat gets their way all the time. And let me tell you something. If I was a spoiled little brat and got my way all the time, I would have nothing because I would not be built correctly, spiritually, or in, in any other way. What's wrong with this world today? You know it's wrong. Too many kids get in their way all the time. This is why we don't have so many very, very spiritual kids growing up. This is why churches are getting emptier and emptier because the children are getting their way all the time, not getting what they need. That's the problem. They're spiritually inept. That's what's wrong. Why does God still punish us if we're forgiven? You know why. You know why? Because he's our father. He's doing the father ought to do. Love us. We'll get to that in a minute. Why? Number seven. Why do we still make mistakes? Because we're in a fallen world. Because we're human. We're forgiven. But that doesn't mean we're perfect. Though we have the perfect one in us. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that he's perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't have needed the cross in the first place. Amen? Amen. Listen to what it says in James 1.14. But each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Now this is not an excuse. It's not an excuse. This is, I, I, I don't want to hear that anyone went home and said, Oh, now I could be enticed. It's okay the pastor gave me a free pass to be enticed. To be drawn away and do whatever I want to do. No. But now we understand why we make mistakes. As it says in 1 John 1, 8 through 9, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can say, no, 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 no. Don't go back that way. The Holy Spirit says, now, son or daughter, you know you shouldn't gossip. You know you shouldn't have said that. You know you shouldn't have done that. You know you shouldn't have done these things. Get away from it. Oh, but I'm saved by grace. I can do anything I want. No, you can't. Don't do it. If you love the Lord, you know what to do. Then number eight question, why all the pain? Because these are questions people ask all the time. I'm sure you've heard all these questions. You've probably, so far from question one to seven, you say, I hear these all the time. I hear these from my family. I hear these on the phone. I hear these on the news. I hear these in books. I hear these on the internet. I hear these questions all the time. I don't know how to, to answer them. I don't know what to say to them. Well, this is why we're doing this today. We're doing this because now you'll have some answers, but in reality, you don't even have the answers the Lord does. Why all the pain in the world? Why all the hurt? Why all the suffering? Once again, we're in a fallen world. That's why we're in a fallen world. The perfect world is fallen because of sin. 
But listen what it says in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. It saves the contrite of spirit. So even though we suffer, and we do, we do suffer, don't we? We suffer, but God is with us even when we suffer. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's with us. Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. He's not left us. He helps us in those moments. How about Romans 8, 18? For I consider that the sufferings of the, this present time are not worthy to be compared. Love this. Listen to this. They're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. In other words, though we suffer, oh, and we do. Oh, we suffer. Sometimes there's a lot of pain, but it's going to be nothing, nothing, nothing to the glory that you're going to receive when, when you're with the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. This is what it says here. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. As though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, so that you may rejoice and be glad also in the revelation of his glory. If you are reproached because of the name of Christ, and we're not talking about something you've done, but because of the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. This one says verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or even as a busybody. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God because of it. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins first with us, what shall the end be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So then let those who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to be a faithful, be a faithful creator while continually to do good. You see, when we go through hard times, when we suffer, when we go through difficulties, it's trying to tell us that even those difficult times can bring what? Spiritual growth. It can bring spiritual growth in our lives. That's what it can do. I know it's hard. But when we suffer, God can use this to build you up. I've often said that God can use the good in our lives to help us and he can use the bad to bring good isn't that wonderful he can use the good to bring great and the bad to bring good it can it bring spiritual growth number nine question number nine why must we forgive oh this is important why must we forgive why must we forgive well let's take a look at that real quick Ephesians 4.26 be angry but do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, outbursts, and blasphemies with all malice be taken away from you. 1 Peter 3.9, do not repay evil for evil, 
or curse or curse. But on the contrary, bless knowing that to this you are called so that you may receive a blessing. So why must you forgive? Because Christ has forgiven us and it's what's best for you. It's what's best for them. It's what's best for the witness of Christ. It's what's best for everyone. Forgive. If you hang on to a grudge, if you don't forgive someone, it's going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt them near as much as it's going to hurt you. It's People say, I don't need to forgive. I don't want to forgive. Well, that's a problem. It's a real problem. It's going to hurt you horribly bad. Number 10. Why doesn't God give us everything we ask for? Oh, I've heard people ask this question so many times. Oh, we can talk about spoiled brat. <laughs> but I hear Christians ask this. I'm not talking Christians. Why doesn't God give us everything we ask for? I won't mention Christians here, uh, the type of Christians, but I will say that I've had some Christians say, God will give you everything you ask for. I've seen, I've seen pastors say this, actually, ministers, that God will give you anything and everything you ask for. This is not appropriate. This is a misteaching. It's not even biblical, really. But they'll say this, expecting you to pray for it, give money to them, and then expecting you to pray for something. And when you don't get it, well, you don't have faith enough. I, I'm not kidding. They'll say this. The fact of the matter is, is God doesn't give us everything we ask for because he knows what's best for you. There's a lot of things I ask for and I hate to say this because I'm going to be embarrassed when I do. <laughs> I ask, I asked for the heart of several gals growing up, you know, when I was you know, just a youngster. And uh, thank God he didn't give me what I asked for. And then there are times that I, I was stuck in some situations and God got me out. Because God knows what's best for us. God doesn't always give us what we ask for. Some people want to be rich and famous and folks look, I've seen some people who've gotten rich and famous and it's not always best for them. So sometimes God gets them out of that. God doesn't always give us what we want because he knows what's best for us. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not so, uh, slow concerning his promise, as some count slowness, but it, he is patient with us because he does not want, to, want any to perish or all to come to repentance. This is talking about salvation, but it's also talking about in prayers and such. Many people think God is slow to answer the prayers. God is slow. God doesn't give me what I want. Because he knows what's best for us, because God is so patient, loving, and wonderful, he's not always going to give you what you want. How many people have wanted certain things, and instead of giving it that, he didn't let us have it so that we could come to him on hands and knees and beg for forgiveness and get what we need and not what we want. I thank God. I thank God that I didn't get so many things I wanted. And if you're a doofus like me, you wanted so many things. So many things, and you had so many things, and got so many things that you don't need, then in the long run, what does it matter? You end up getting what you need. And what I need is the Lord God and His love, His compassion. So whenever asking why for whatever question, for whatever question that you have, and the world asks so many, so when you have, whenever you ask whatever question, I have a scripture for you. I have a scripture, and this is Paul's answer. Whenever he asked to be healed, 
this is the answer that he got and he he held on to this and it helps me i've been asked i've asked the lord to heal me i've asked for so many things and no matter what happens to me from this day on whether i'm ever married again whether i'm ever healed whether this church ever grows to whatever no matter what occurs i know god's with me and this is the answer second corinthians 12 9 and you keep this with you remember this but he said to me this is second corinthians 12 9 but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness therefore most gladly i will boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We're not to worry about what we don't have, but what we do have, because we have Christ, we have his love, and really, no matter what occurs, that's all we need. I'm not saying that it's wrong to pray. I'm not saying it's wrong to want, but we should never want what we don't need, and all we really need is the love of the Lord God. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. You see, God loves you. God loves you. That is why. That is why. He has been through all you have. He's been through all that you have been through. Everything. Oh, you saying that Jesus has had brain tumors? No, I'm saying that Jesus Christ has been through physical pain. Whatever physical pain you've been through, more or less, he's been through the physical pain, more so in some ways. Whatever spiritual situations you've been through, he's been through more or less. He's been through spiritual pains. He's been through physical pains. He's been through emotional pains. He's been through mental pains. He's been through it. Jesus has been through it. And he's been with you while you've been through your pains. Jesus is with you. And he's with you now. So there is an answer, one answer that goes through all of these questions and every question, and that is, the answer is, and I want you to keep this with you, the answer is because God loves me. Because God loves me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor. That answer goes with all these questions? Yes, and we're going to go through these questions again, and we're going to put this with those questions, this answer with those questions, and we're going to go through and we're going to explain it. Why is God's world so imperfect? Well, we know why. Because of sin, because of the evil in the world. But, but we can see, we can see that he had sent an answer for the evil in this world. His son, Jesus Christ, he was taking care of it right then. And why? Because God loves me. That is why. Why do I exist? Because God loves me. And he wanted to give me a chance to live even through these hard times. That's why, because God loves me. That's why you exist. Right now, is that a simple answer to the existence of life? Yes, it's simple. It seems too simple, but it's that simple because God loves you. That's why you exist. When people are actually questioning whether they should live or die, I'm telling you, you should live because God made you and he loves you. That's why. You should live as long as God has put you on this earth. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? I have an answer, you're gonna hate it. There are no good people. There are no good people. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not even one. But God sent his son to save all people who are sinners. 
There are those who seem so good. Yes, we do good things, we do bad things, but there are none who are righteous. No, not one. So Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again and will save you from your sins. Why? Because God loves me. Because God loves you. Say it to yourself, because God loves me. Why does God love some more than others? He does it. He doesn't have any partiality. He died for us all equally because God loves me. He doesn't hold it against me because God loves me. Why does God still punish us if we are forgiven? Because God loves me. He'll whoop the tar out of your Christian rear end to correct you because he loves you and wants you to live holy. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when I get out of God's will, he says, get right. Get right. He says, get right, son. Get away from those things. Don't say that word. Don't look at those things. Don't worry about those things. Don't get into lust. Don't get angry. Don't gossip. Don't do those things. Don't be full of hate. Don't say all that. Don't look at those films. Don't do those things because God loves me and wants me to do right. God's doing the same to you right now. Whatever it is you're being tempted to do, whatever it is you're feeling guilty about, feel guilty. Go to the Holy Spirit because God loves you. Why do we still make mistakes? Because you're human. And why does God want us to feel guilty for it? Because God loves you. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know it's a mistake because God loves you. Why all the pain, why all the hurt, why all the suffering in this world? Why? Because we've fallen in this fallen world, but through it we can have spiritual growth. Why? Because God loves you and to take the bad and make it good because God loves you. Why must we forgive? because Christ has forgiven us and it's best for you and you can't grow without it and God wants you to forgive because God loves you. That's why. Why doesn't God give us everything we ask for? Because God loves you. He doesn't want you to have a toothache and ruin your teeth on horrible sweets of sin in the world. And he knows what's best. God loves you. That is why. I read this this week on Facebook. Somebody put this out there. It might have been one of you. I don't remember. But it just so happened to go with what I was getting together for the sermon. It says, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. And when I saw that, I said, oh, I'll put that in my sermon. I'll say it again. The Christian does not think God will love us because we are good but that God will make us good because he loves us. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. You see, everything that you're going through, everything that you felt, as I said before, He's been through it. He went through it all. He felt it all. And why? Because God loves me. The next time Satan tries to lie to you and say, God doesn't love you, 
He's letting you hurt. He's letting you lose the ones you love. He's letting you go through physical pain. You say, shut up. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I am just fine because I'm not alone. God loves me. God loves me. I'm not alone. He will never leave us, ever. I'm not alone. God loves me. And as we close, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 14.33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. You see, Satan wants to confuse everyone, brings confusion to everyone in this world. All these questions that we went through are confusing if you just look at them. They're confusing questions that people ask because they want to make it look like God isn't real, as if he's not around. And they've a lot of them have asked these questions thinking, well, no one's going to be able to answer these. Well, the fact is, is the Bible answers them. He answers them. And really, they're the simplest answers because they're foolish questions. When you know Jesus Christ, you know the answer because you know that he is the answer to the question. Why? Because he came and lived and died and rose and lives in you. And why? Because God loves you. Let us bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we just pray right now and we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We know we don't deserve it. But Lord God, we know that you live in us we thank you lord god for answering all of our questions when we call out to you we thank you lord jesus that you're with us even in the hardest times and when we ask these questions we know that we're your children and we know that you're our father and we pray lord god that you'll continue to lead us and be with us and help us lord when we have questions that seem so so difficult and seem like we can never Find the answer. We pray, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit will reach out to us and let us always remember that you love us and that is the answer that we need to always come back to. And through time, that you will give us everything we need, Lord. We pray this right now, Lord God. We pray for the people that need it the most. We pray, Lord God, for our dear brother Randy and we pray, Lord God, for his wonderful mother. And Lord God, we pray right now for those who are suffering we pray, Lord God, for those who need you at this moment. If there be anyone, anyone at all, whether they be here or whether they be at home, or whether right now they be at work and they're watching us, we pray right now, Lord God, that they need you and they're afraid. I pray, Lord, they will reach out to you and ask you to be their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that all the questions will be answered because they know that you love them. In Jesus' most holy and precious name, I do pray these things. Amen.